Welcome to SVU Pod Especially Heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. Cool. <laughs> We're on season four, episode 12, Riusk. I have a conspiracy theory. The, the Sphuniverse and the Sopranos world are one place. You're going to get annoyed by how many times I tell you that people in this episode were in the Sopranos. Every episode is like... Every episode. Yeah. It's constant. I mean, I'm looking up people that have the smallest roles that I can barely find. And it's like, oh, they were in the fucking Sopranos. Everybody. Opening scene, four dudes are playing basketball at a park. All of a sudden you hear a woman screaming, help me, help me. Everybody stops playing basketball and runs over to her. One of the men asks, Lynn, what's wrong? They know each other because he uses her name and puts his arm around her and stuff. So her baby isn't breathing. Then they show this like cute little baby face, Ugh. eyes closed, not breathing. I mean, you can tell it's not a, it's a live baby, but yeah. in the hospital, the doctor is talking to Benson and Stabler. They're doing a little walk and talk. Her, our current Manhattan lady doctor. The doctor tells Benson Stabler that the baby's name is Jawan Hauser. He's 10 weeks old. Right now he's on a respirator and has a weak pulse. The doctor says he, he was probably oxygen deprived and they won't know what the extent of the brain damage is until he wakes up if he ever does. So when the baby got to the hospital, he had an elevated heart rate, shallow breathing and dilated pupils. And Stabler's like, this sounds like an overdose. And the doctor's like, you're right. Tox screens positive for cocaine. Somebody uh. doped this kid up. Fuck. In the hospital hallway, Benson is talking to the mom. Oh, yep. Theme song. I know it's an important thing to note. Otherwise, how does the show move forward? In the hospital hallway, Benson is talking to the mom, Lynn. Lynn is played by Erica Tazel, who, by the way, has the most gorgeous IMDb headshot I've ever seen. I'll give you a minute. Did you find it? IMDb. Oh, yeah. Shit. Dang. In that, like, coral orange dress. Mm -hmm. She's so pretty. It's very pretty. That has nothing to do with her character, but it did, when I was like, I had to look her up, and it struck me how pretty she was. I'll give you all a Mm -hmm. minute. So she was in a couple episodes of The Kroll Show with Nick Kroll. Did you ever mm-hmm. watch that? It's so good. Her biggest credit is as Rachel Brooks in the show Justified. I never watched it, but I'm sure somebody's listening and they're like, you guys, it's fucking Rachel. So we're going to say because she was in like every episode of that fucking show. Anyway, this is Lynn. She has tears running down her cheeks when she finds out that Jawan was given cocaine. Lynn thinks that Benson is accusing her of giving the baby cocaine because she's a black woman that lives in the projects. And she feels like she's being accused of drug use. She's like, my mom was a junkie. I don't touch that shit. I worked my ass off to fucking afford the apartment that I have with my son. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you. Benson's like, we're not saying that. We're just doing our job. And Benson asks her to tell her exactly what happened. So Lynn picked up Jawan and brought him home. She fed him, but he wasn't very hungry. He went to sleep, so she put him in his crib. Later, when she checked on him, he was barely breathing. Stabler comes around the corner, and Lynn's freaking out, and she's like, oh my god, is, is my baby dead? And Stabler's like, nope. But the doctors think that the cocaine that Jawan ingested was mixed into his baby formula. Which I was like, how can they tell that? Yeah, I don't know. And Lynn was like, oh my god, what the fuck happened? What's going on? Stabler asked her where she bought the formula, but Lynn kind of gets like, I, I don't remember. Like, she's lying, you know? Mm-hmm. Benson tells her, dude, you have to tell us what's going on, or you're going to be in trouble for your baby being poisoned. And other babies are going to get poisoned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lynn says she, quote, borrowed it because she was short on money, but was totally going to bring it back. Lynn tells Benson and Stabler that she borrowed the formula from a client she cleans for. And then Lynn's like, oh, my God, you have to go tell the family I clean for, like, about the formula. They have a four-month-old son. Like, go, you know. 
over at Lynn's client's house, Laura Pfeiffer, the client, and her son Tommy are in the living room with Benson and Stapler. Tommy's like a little baby. He's four, He's the four-month-old. She's holding him and talking to the No, detectives. she's holding a 40-year-old man named Tommy. He's smoking a cigar. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> <laughs> I pictured it, oh, like a big adult man with his legs wrapped around his mouth. That's what I did too. And then, and then I went to like a fucking four-year-old man swaddled in a thing with a big cigar. It was, <laughs> her back hurts super bad. It hurts. It hurts to be a mom carrying that that hundred ninety-eight extra pounds around. Mom, I shit my pants. Yeah. He's three hundred sixty-five months old. I wonder what that would be. Yeah, he's seventy inches long. <laughs> 230 pounds, four ounces. He's a good eater. <laughs> His head is huge. <laughs> they have to put him in like one of those like horse slings to weigh him or like those fishing things. <laughs> His car seat is a recliner strapped to the top of a minivan. <laughs> okay. He eats all of his cheeseburger. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> what, she spoon feeds him, but it's with a fucking ladle. <laughs> I don't know why he's gigantic all of a sudden. <laughs> um, okay. He has, a, he has a king size crib. He has a wife and kids. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so Laura, I need to set like this shit. Okay. Lynn's client, Laura Pfeiffer. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna be recording forever i know lynn's client laura pfeiffer and her son tommy the baby are in the living room with benson and stabler laura looks insanely familiar but she doesn't have a ton of credit so i think she may just have one of those faces also she was in the sopranos mm. laura was just about to feed tommy and is so relieved that they let her know about the formula and then i thought first What's the timeline here? I feel like she would have fed him in the amount of time that there was in between what happened to Juwan, Juwan getting fed, them having to call. Like, I just feel like she would have fed a four-month-old baby in that time. Second, why the fuck when she found out Lynn used a little formula, did she say, I can't believe she would do something like that? Her son is in the hospital with brain damage, barely alive. And she's like, she took formula from our house? Oh god, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, she's a bitch. Laura takes Benson and St- <laughs> Laura takes Benson and Stabler to the kitchen and shows them her stock of the formula that she feeds Tommy. There are only five cans when there should be six. Benson tells Laura that Lynn must have taken the sixth can and asks when and where the formula was purchased. Lynn says her husband bought it at Gentry's Market on Columbus just a few days ago. In the crime lab, Munch and Toots are there with hot crime lab bomb squad guy. He's got a big old mountain of formula on a lab table because they had gone to the store where Lynn says her husband bought the formula and bought all the rest of the formula that was there. Turns out none of the cans contained cocaine at all. Munch asks about the cans tested from the Pfeiffer's home. And Hot Bomb Squad guy says that four of the cans were fine, but the fifth had the same composition as what Jawan ingested. 90% pure liquid cocaine. And I'm like, fuck, it's a smuggling thing. Also, liquid cocaine? That's the same? I was like, I didn't know that it was that. They did that? Yeah, but we'll, we'll get some clarity on that in the chaser. Okay. Toot says that the purity of the cocaine could mean it came from, quote, 
south of the border, which means Central America or Mexico. Staves mm-hmm. is a dad and Toots is a fucking former narcotics officer. Okay. Right. This episode is just all about how Toots has fucking been there. Everybody turns to Toots. Question about cocaine? Turn to Toots. Question about drug dealers? What's up, Toots? <laughs> Everybody's got hit questions for him. I'm not going to give him as much shit as I give Staves for the dad stuff, though, because th- it actually applies to what they're doing. Yeah. Hot Bomb Squad shows them a can with no label that's been tampered with. Somebody had made a hole in the can to drain the formula out and then replace the formula with the cocaine mixture. Then they soldered the hole closed before they put the label back on. Toots speculates that they must have labs on either side of the border, one to turn it Mm -hmm. into liquid, one to turn it into powder, which seems like a very elaborate, unnecessary step since most baby formula comes in powder form. But again, I'm not a drug mule, so I don't know. Toots wants to know how it even made it to the store shelves. Bomb Squad lets them know about the FDA formula regulations and tracking stuff so they'll know how to search where the other ones went, Mm -hmm. like where that shipment went to. Yeah. Because they got to get all of this shit. They got to recall this shit. They got to get this off the shelves. They don't know how much is out there. In a very intense walk and talk, Craig and Toots are discussing leads from the info they got at the lab. Craig called the FDA and the FDA is going to issue a recall. Stabler walks up and has found the location of the manufacturing plants. The, quote, clean formula came from the Atlanta plant, but the contaminated cans were from Juarez, Mexico. Back to Toots. Cartel country. Cragen speculates that the cans from the Mexico plant are filled with the cocaine mixture and the labels were replaced with English labels. Benson points out that they still need to figure out how the cans made it to Pfeiffer's. Now it's time for Cragen to get the rundown on the family. Benson mm-hmm. tells him Laura stays home and dad Derek is a Wall Street stockbroker. He works at Chandler Hinton on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Toots points out that it, quote, wouldn't be the first time some big shot hard up for cash moonlighted in the drug biz. Munch hangs up hard from a very seemingly satisfying phone call and says Derek may be the perfect candidate because Derek was filing for bankruptcy but managed to somehow pay off $300,000 of debt. Hmm. Money from a drug shipment? Maybe. Maybe. Now, Benny hangs up the phone that she had answered seven seconds ago. I timed it, and it was. She lets the squad know. Longest phone call in history in the (laughs) universe. Well, she gets off this phone call and lets the squad know that Juwan didn't make it. And Stabler grew three sizes that day. He is dad mad. (laughs) He gets up and says, whoever smuggled that formula is guilty of depraved indifference and murder. Mm-hmm. Craig orders Stabler to go speak with Derek Pfeiffer, adding that if Stabler doesn't like what Derek has to say, he can go ahead and bring him in. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling Stabler's not going to like what anybody has to say right now. Yeah. At Chandler Hinton Stock Brokerage, Derek Pfeiffer is at his desk in a more open work area. There's like cubicles separated you know like fucking office space style yeah and i recognize this guy from so much shit Mm. i was surprised he wasn't in it for that long (laughs) i know me too yeah so i see him and i'm like oh hello stand-up comedian and very booked and busy actor brian callen let's hit some of his credits real quick he was coach rick meller on the goldbergs he was in warrior the ufc movie with tom hardy that i told you to watch that i know you haven't watched I haven't. Ugh. I did watch the Goldbergs, though. Yeah. Um, that's why I added that in there, because I figured you would know him from that. He was Eddie in The Hangover. He was in How I Met Your Mother. He was on Oz. And probably the biggest thing that most of us know him from is he was on Mad TV from 1995 to 1998. <sighs> 
That's it. Mm -hmm. That's the big, yeah. Toots and Munch are on either side of him as he states his appreciation for the contaminated formula being identified and removed from his home. Um, I don't believe him. (laughs) Right. I don't believe him. I don't. He's like, oh, you guys, thank you so much. Like, yeah. Because he keeps like acknowledging them and then going back to whatever he's doing on the computer. And I'm like, it's like your son died, almost died. Yeah. You're se- like, you should be either taking the rest of the day off or at least stepping aside and be like, can we go into a conference room or something? Like, I could get emotional here. I'm not going to yeah. tell you how, I'm not going to tell you how to be upset, but I didn't believe you from the jump. So, right. Munch sits down on Derek's desk and says that they need to figure out how the formula got into the house. This is where I'm annoyed with Derek because he's like, um, easy dummy i bought it and toots tells derek that the problem with that is that there were no other contaminated cans in the store because we fucking checked dick and that Mm -hmm. the only cans containing the liquid cocaine were at your house upper west side manhattan please interesting Mm -hmm. munch then asked derek's if he had traveled out of the country recently maybe to mexico and derek's like i have clients all over the world so i don't even know where i where i've been and munch goes all right well i'm I guess we're just going to go check with customs. And Derek's like, oh, oh, yeah. I just got back from Mexico City, but I was there on company business because, you know, you can't get drugs when you're going um, on the company's dime. So then Derek seems a little more off. Like, okay, you're getting back into a corner here. He lets them know that he doesn't really want to talk with them in his office. This guy gets real cool real quick. Munch and Toots turn on their little detective fun time right now. And Munch goes, <laughs> oh, my God, perf. We were just about to suggest you come down to our office. And the dude's like, mm, no. And Toots cuts him off and says, mm, yeah, or you'll be seen wearing steel when we drag you out of here. And then he flashes handcuffs super obviously. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm two cubicles down, munching popcorn, watching over the divider. Of course, yeah. Yeah, this dude is <laughs> fucked. But also, yeah. super early in the episode, so I'm conflicted. So we were on the yeah. same page as far as that went. I mean, because, like, he was yeah. well-known at this point. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is, like, not every time... Okay, go ahead. It's weird. He's He was well-known enough to, like, not die right away. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So outside of the office... Munch and Toots walk Derek over to a car. He's not in handcuffs. He's going willingly. Derek is complaining on the way out that he's got like five meetings the rest of the day. And they're like, okay, no, you don't actually. <laughs> right. Also, uh, we don't care. Yeah. Stabler's outside by the car waiting for them. All of a sudden, Stabler's like, I fucking smell a rat. And fucking Sergeant Tucker from IAB Internal Affairs walks over to them no he That's, doesn't he fucking swaggers he is oh, he dick does, yeah. swing swaggering over to them yeah i would too if i was eventually boning bad bitch olivia benson by the way <gasps> wait what oh my god oh in the in the show in the show, in the show. yeah oh yeah. yeah no 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 trevor langan's like what no he <laughs> later later on they end up hooking up this is actor robert john burke he appears over the years in 31 episodes as sergeant ed tucker of internal affairs and he is a babe yeah my favorite credit because it's like when you look at his credits on imdb it's like this episode ed tucker this episode sergeant ed tucker you know it'll say like mm-hmm. different things just i don't know but my favorite just via his imdb is in the most recent season it says ed tucker in parentheses as a ghost 
I just like the description. <laughs> the way he became a ghost is very sad and real and dark, and we'll get there. But I just laughed when I saw it. years. Yeah. I just, saw, I just laughed when I saw it. Ed Tucker as a ghost. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Gabe's favorite Ed Tucker. So what happened? How did he die? Yeah. He killed himself. I don't remember. He, okay, so, it, I mean, things get, like, way more real as the seasons go on. Like, the beginning seasons are my favorite because they're the most ridiculous. And then they really start to pull... Um, much more realistic shit. So he ends up getting sick like years after 9-11, like some sort of cancer and finds out that he's terminal and then ends his life. Oh. So. I wonder if he was like a ghost or was just like a memory, like talk, like a memory of somebody remembering Oh, like a flashback said. where she's thinking about like. Yeah. Or if he's like, Olivia. Uh, well, Olivia has like a Halloween party at her giant fixer upper mansion that she gets with her dad, and um, he comes and dances her with dad? her. Dad? Oh, my God. oh shit! <laughs> shit! Craig, her father. With her father figures, yeah, yeah, no. Oh, but keep going though. It sounds good. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker has um, three uncles that also live with him. They're kind of dicks, but they love each other. <laughs> talking about casper right yeah okay. <laughs> tucker comes down the stairs as a real boy but looks exactly like nevin sawa anyways tucker comes down no he looks like himself like old guy and all but he's got a blonde butt cut <laughs> he's like 411 <laughs> but with his head still being an adult <laughs> he smells a rat <laughs> anyways Toots makes some Tommy the baby ass. lives there too. <laughs> Restate who this fucking guy is. Okay, this guy is Sergeant Tucker from Internal Affairs, yes. IAB or whatever. The, they're the ones that look for like um, dirty cops and shit. So mm-hmm. it's weird that they're like, I smell a rat. It's like, don't you want somebody to fucking find the bad cops? Right. You know, it's all corrupt. Even the IAB, like shit that he says in this episode, it's like, mm, I don't like this power dynamic. It doesn't look great. Yeah. Toots makes some smart-ass comment about how they shouldn't forget to salute Tucker so they don't get ridden up. <laughs> Tucker's like, so what are you guys uh, doing over here? And Saber's like, oh, we're just talking with a friend. <laughs> and he's like, oh, is your friend Derek Pfeiffer? And then Munch is like, what's it to you? Tucker's like, fuck that. Derek's coming with me. And Stabler's pissed. And he's like, we got a dead baby on our fucking hands. And my dad passion takes precedent over protocol. And then Tucker's like, that baby is no longer your concern. Then they all close in on Tucker because they're fucking pissed. Oh my god. Tuckler in this moment. Tuckler. Tuckler. <laughs> yeah, Tuckler. Tucker and Stabler are nose to nose and they're kind of similar in looks and intensity. So to me, it was like watching a 20 year difference mirror dance between the two. Mm-hmm. Tucker whips around and he's like, Craig and your guys is fucking captain signed off on it mm-hmm. and he starts taking over and he gets Derek out of the car and he's walking away with them. Stabler yells at Tucker as he's walking away. Our captain told you where we were like in disbelief and mm-hmm. Tucker just turns around and purses his lips and not his handbag and Cragen is gonna be mad. Mm-hmm. Cragen's gonna get a stomping ass mad dad. Stabler's gonna go in just like next scene I already know it that Stabler's gonna go and chew the shit out of Cragen. Or try to, but yeah. Craigan doesn't stand for that shit. He mm-hmm. in the precinct, Stabler storms into the squad room with Munch and Toots following, and it comes up to Craigan and he's like, Why would you tell Tucker where we were? Craigan's confused and he's like, What are you fucking talking about? Stabler says, Tucker took Derek and told us that you gave the okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
like the camera zooms hard into Kragen's face and he's like, let's take a ride. Yes. I was like, oh my God, that's bad. At Internal Affairs, Kragen walks up to Tucker, grabs him by the shirt with both hands, pulls him close. And he's like, you lying son of a bitch. And I'm like, oh, oh Tucker, God. you have done it now, honey. I hot. This is hot. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't not hot. Now that you say <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Stabler is trying to get in between them, but Craigan just keeps going and he's like, now it's not enough you go behind my back to steal our case. Now you want my people thinking that I'm in your pocket. <laughs> All of the consonants in pocket are A plus intense. I bet mm-hmm. he spittled in Tucker's face so hard. It's so hot. So Tucker's like, get off of me. <laughs> And Craigan lets go of Tucker, and Stabler's like, you don't need what he can do to you. Just relax. And I'm like, gross. Mm-hmm. That's I'm the like, power that IAB I'm like, has there. And oh, I think wait, that's that, why yeah. they hate IAB, because they power trip over them. It's just yeah. a little yeah. ladder. Tucker goes to Craigan, I should lock you up. And Craigan goes to Tucker, do it. Then explain it to your bosses. And Tucker has this deep, whispery New York gravel voice. It's perfect for cop acting. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you need anger management, Captain. And Craigan's like, mm-hmm. and you need to kiss my ass. Where's Derek? <laughs> I love that. Tucker tells Craigan that Derek was questioned and let go. And that if SVU goes near him, they'll go before the IAB trial board. Craigan lets Tucker know that Derek's a fucking murder suspect mm-hmm. and that Tucker could then explain why an infant, little baby Juwan, died on his watch. Mm-hmm. Tucker starts to walk off, but Craigan's like, dude, what the fuck is going on? You being involved tells me that there's a dirty cop involved in this case, and I want a fucking name. And Tucker's like, go to hell, and disappears around the corner. Stabler and Craigan start to leave, and the music gets fucking expendables intense. Yeah, dude. It's like 80s cop baseline shit. It's fucking... I am... It was it's so awesome. good. This whole episode was had awesome music in it. Yeah, I want the soundtrack to this episode to work out too. <laughs> this is going to be like <laughs> the whole time. It's just me getting ready to run. <laughs> Craigan's like, oh my God, Stabler, go pick up fucking Derek. And Stabler's like, do you really want to take on the IAB? And Craigan's like, I don't give a fuck. And I didn't ask you. You just need to follow orders. And Stabler's like, sure, boss. Out on the street, the music's even more intense, by the way. Oh, my God. The music keeps going. And I was like, who the fuck scored this thing? Trent Reznor? It was just, it got really, like, techie, whatever. Do-do-do-do-do. I'm loving it. (laughs) Loving it. (laughs) So we're outside of Derek's work. There's a fucking ambulance. Benson and Stabler walk up to a paramedic, flash their frickin' badges, and ask what the hell is going on. Paramedic states that there's somebody who's probably dead on the 20th floor. And Stabler's like, oh my god, Derek works on the 20th floor. I was like, yeah, so it was probably like a thousand other people, but okay. Also, what if this just didn't apply? And they were like, oh, never mind. (laughs) Oh my god, your brother's in the army? I know a guy in the army. (gasps) It's like... Okay. So these guys are like, holy shit. And they go to run into the building. Olivia does a little trot like she's at the end of an Iron Man, but she just got there. And I took a video. (laughs) I'm going to post it. It's so dumb, but so adorable. It was three steps away and she didn't need to hustle, but she did because she's (laughs) a dedicated detective. 
Mm-hmm. They get to the 20th floor bathroom and we see Derek lying on the ground, halfway out of a stall, dead with an electrical cord wrapped around his neck. Someone beat them to Derek. Oof. Somebody killed Derek. So inside the offices, interviews are taking place in the open work area around Derek's desk. Employees and officers are all over the place. Munch and Toots are following behind a building security officer talking about what may have happened when Derek was murdered. The security officer takes Munch and Toots to Keith Gerard. That's Derek's boss. He looks like Willem Dafoe and Brad Pitt had a baby for real. Like, think, of, look at his face in your head. I disagree. Really? I do. I thought Hold you'd on. be like, oh my god. Hold on. Now I have to go back and look. I it, the, my mental image of him disagrees. But hang on and let me get a look and see. Not Keith Urban. Get out of here. Google <laughs> Keith Gerard. SVU. Oh, okay. I see. No, no. He looks okay. I see the Willem Dafoe, but I'm going to remove your Brad Pitt and I'm going to insert a Thomas Hayden Church. The fuck is Thomas Hayden Church? Now I got to do some of this. Mm hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. For sure. You know what? Yeah, he's pretty. We work much... better as a team. Like, here's a picture of Thomas Hayden Church when he's young. I mean, he's he, pretty much yeah. that guy. It's that guy, right? Yeah. He was, if anybody doesn't want to Google it, he was the guy who wasn't Paul Giamatti in the movie Sideways. So this guy that's playing Keith Gerard, Derek's boss, is an SEU two-timer, and we initially met him in the 2001 episode Sacrifice. So this is his second appearance. Hmm. Second and last appearance. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Munch tells Gerard that he's sorry for his loss, but Gerard just kind of brushes it off. He says it's something that happens in the business they're in. You know, it's a lot of money and stuff. Which is fucking wild. Yeah. He walks him over to Derek's desk and explains the in-place security measures that were enacted after 9-11. So he doesn't really know how anybody could have gotten in. Everybody has to sign in and blah, blah, blah. Munch asks Gerard if Derek was acting unusual lately. Gerard says that he did notice that he was under a lot of stress. He had gotten demoted after some of his accounts lost millions of dollars. He was put in this bullpen and he used to run the whole floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Munch is a little suspicious of this dude now since he's the one who got Derek's old job. But Gerard mm-hmm. says that he's been in meetings with managing partners for the last few hours, so his alibi immediately checks out yeah toots asks for a list of derek's account and gerard's like yeah i'll have my assistant give you the info and he fucks off yeah munch and toots hang back and they're kind of like trying to figure out if this was maybe a hit Mm -hmm. and if it was toots says that derek's wife laura may also be a target along with their son tommy at the pfeiffer home benson stabler and laura in the kitchen discussing what happened to derek laura's upset obviously she doesn't Mm -hmm. believe that derek was involved with drugs or that he could have smuggled the formula stabler asked laura if she knew about derek's demotion or that he had filed for bankruptcy and she's like kind of shocked she had no idea about either of those things only that they were in debt but that derek said he paid it off because he closed some big deal at work benson asks laura if derek ever talked to her about work stuff and she says no because he worked long hours and didn't want to bring work home he didn't want her and their son involved in any of that stuff which they seem like suspicious of and i'm just like oh my god i actively tell john that i don't want to hear about things happening at his job She's like, no, boring. Next. She does tell Benson Stabler that he entertained clients three nights a week at a place called the Bear and Bull. But Laura doesn't know any of the clients because, like she said, Derek kept her 
removed from his work. Benson tells Laura that if Derek was involved with drugs, the people that murdered him may think she knows something. They tell her that they want to stay with her for her and Tommy's safety, but Laura is like, no way. I'm going to my fucking sister's, which is like, there's no cops there. <laughs> like, it's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, the next place somebody would look to find yeah. you. Benson asks Laura if she was ever threatened. After a long pause, she tells him that when SVU initially came to visit the home, a man knocked on the door saying that Derek sent him to come get formula. The man became upset when Laura told him that she gave the formula to SVU. When she asked him how he got past their doorman, the guy flashed his badge. So it's a dirty cop, dude. Probably. Mm -hmm. And also I liked how you said doorman. I know. I noticed that too, but I kept going. (laughs) Norman Norman the doorman. (laughs) At the precinct, Tucker's in Cragen's office, just giving it to fucking Cragen. And he's like, it's an IAB operation and I warned you to back off. Benson and Stabler are in the background like, ooh, dads are fighting and mm-hmm. Cragen says that they followed fucking orders and then he stands up swings his dick from around the corner and lets Tucker know he's got some pals even higher up than fucking Tucker so he better get reporting to him what he knows. Tucker mm-hmm. finally lets Cragen know about the two attempts over the past year to infiltrate a baby formula cocaine ring but each time mm-hmm. the undercover narcotics officers were killed. No one has any idea who did it but IAB assumes it was a dirty cop. Benny and Stabes get real sassy because they know Cragen's going to high five them about it later. And Benny says Mm -hmm. to Tucker, you have no idea who did it. He's like, no. She's like, you're not sure about much, are you? Mm-hmm, I know. <laughs> You're not so tough without your car, are ya? <laughs> so Stabler takes that as his cue to fucking swing and says, you know, IDA could have made a deal with Pfeiffer to give up your dirty cop if you hadn't crapped all over our case. <laughs> the, he said crapped so hard. <laughs> I have it like in all caps. Yeah, crapped. <laughs> I have it as two words, cray-yapped. <laughs> crayapped. Tucker and Cragen argue over whose case this is now and who gets to do the work. Tucker doesn't believe that SVU can handle it, but Cragen tells him that they intend to find out who is responsible for a sweet little BB's death. Yeah, Cragen's like, my people do this fucking shit every day. Every Mm. damn day. That's right. We're damn well going to find out who's responsible for this. And then he's like, either help or get the fuck out of the way, Tucker. I mean, fucker. (laughs) And then Tucker's like, okay, fine. What do you need? So Cragen's like, okay, great, good. Fake IDs, vehicles, drugs, and bond money for starters. And Tucker's mm. like, mm, okay, but don't make a move without telling me. And it's like, they're just like yelling at each other, but agreeing, which I think is funny, I where know. it's like, we're already up here, so we got to stay up here. And Cragen's like, I need you to do this for me. And Tucker's like, cool, I need you to do this for me. And Cragen's like, great. And then they hug and they kiss a little bit. <laughs> Angry kiss. <laughs> <laughs> In the squad room, Munch walks over with an update from his cross-check of the security info from where Derek works. Mm-hmm. All visitors are accounted for, and he didn't get shit from canvassing. Cragen asks about Derek's phone records. Benson says that the one thing that she thought was weird was that Derek never used his cell phone to check in with Laura when he was out at the Baron Bowl. He used a payphone. Munch says it could be paranoia and not wanting people to know who he's calling, but Toots thinks it's where he does his drug business. Mm-hmm. Says Coke is a big deal drug in the financial district. And Toots knows that. Toots knows about drugs. Yeah, he knows about drugs. He, he really does. 
Kragen said that Toots should go to the bards since he's the one with undercover experience. Toots absolutely doesn't want to go because he won't fit in. Yeah, he's like, I don't look like I belong at a Wall Street fucking bar. Right, but he's like, you know who does? Stabler, clean-cut corporate dad type. You know who does? That 38-year-old white guy over there. And Stabler's like, huh? <laughs> so they need a cover story and can't use the baby formula scheme. Toots says if Stabler is going to get anyone's attention, he's got to be their solution to moving the product, right? Right. And everybody's going to be watching his back. Yeah, they say Toots and Benny are going to ghost him. And in this context, it means hang back and cover him. When he does it in 2010, it's ditching Benny out of the blue. Yeah, for 10 years. For 10 years. All of me. And also... <laughs> I love undercover time. I'm so excited. Yeah. In a SVU vehicle. <laughs> in an SVU vehicle, Toots is given Stabler who has on glasses and a suit. So he looks totally different. Yeah, he's Clark Kent right now. He's giving him the rundown of what he needs to do once he's in the bar. Stabler will have cocaine on him as well as a pager that also has a wire in it. Okay. Yeah. Stabler's backup officers are undercover in the bar. Toots is going to stay inside the car and record and listen. Stabler gets out of the car and takes off, and Toots looks worried. Because nobody can do this drug shit like Toots. Right. In the bar, Stabler walks into the bar holding a newspaper and walks over to where Benson is already seated, and she is wearing a strappy black dress and looks fucking amazing. She is just a vision. I struggled to get through this scene without obsessing over... Okay, so she's got this itty-bitty, tiniest little spaghetti straps. It's just thin, barely there. And she's got little post earrings, so nothing dangly, nothing, no necklace. She is just all neck, clavicle, and Decolletage, classy style though. It was, mm-hmm. and then it's got, fucking, and, then, and her short and she's hair, got, like ugh. things over her, sh- oh, like I don't know what's that called. It was like over to her shoulder too. She has baby straps and it going under his she, sh- her shoulders, like looked, bell. It, she looked expensive and classy and like the woman that would be good for him for being able to talk to her in the bartender's mm-hmm. mind because they don't know each other. Gorge. Mm-hmm. Gorge. Incredible. So they're pretending to not know each other, obviously. And it's like this hot little role play thing that I could just go on and on and on about. You know what I mean? So hot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. Stabler in his glasses. Ten. 12. He's a 10, but he's a dad. (laughs) Like a dad. (laughs) Oh, 15. The bartender asks Stabler what his drink order is, and he gets a beer, and I'm like, which one, bro? You know what I mean? Yeah, I hate that in movies. It's the bar five 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 one two three four. It's like mm-hmm. at least say you know I'll take a stout. I'll take a lager. Like maybe they only have one. I could buy that. You yeah. know I'll take your IPA. Like it's you're like, at a fancy bar and you just say I want a beer. No, you know they've got taps like just running like, like okay. Right. So he gets a, a random beer and he says he'll buy the quote lady a drink too. And they're like kind of flirting. And I have the biggest boner in the whole world. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Sabler accidentally drops his cocaine as he goes to pay for the drinks. And I love it because he was just like, oh, (laughs) sorry. But like didn't pick it up. It was weird. But it was like it wasn't because I was like, if he drops some coke, like big deal. Like he's just some fucking Wall Street guy with a dime bag of coke. But he dropped multiple little fucking dime bags. So that prompted the bartender to be like, oh, you're probably a supplier, Mm -hmm. not a buyer. Right. So, yeah, the bartender asks if the drugs are any good and Stabler lets the bartender have some. He's like, yeah, why don't you tell me? 
Have a little taste. <laughs> Ew. He kept saying that. Have a taste. And I'm like, yeah. you have a fucking taste, daddy. <laughs> Stop. The bartender says he can turn Stabler onto something a little fresher. And Stabler just keeps saying, have a taste with like that stupid look on his face that he has. And yeah. he's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So then the bartender walks away and Stabler turns back to Benson and he's like, oh, what's your name? She goes, Donna, which fully takes me out of the fantasy because my <laughs> grandma's name is Donna. And mm. now instead of like a hottie Benny, she's a chain smoking withholding tiny woman with a heavy Midwest <laughs> accent that sounds like a fucking casserole. Like she's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh hey i'm donna thanks for the drink <laughs> oh hey oh hey i'm donna <laughs> mm, this sketch is good <laughs> so the bartender goes to talk to someone at the end of the bar and comes back hands stabler his change by the way both drinks were 12 dollars i know 2000 fucking three in fucking manhattan at a wall street bar bullshit right it's nine dollar beer night it's fucking there's no way a scotch yeah he hands stabler's change and lets him know that the guy at the end of the bar wants to talk to him stabler asks if the dude is interested and the bartender says that the dude at the end of the bar will make it worth his while so stabler follows the student to the bathroom benson uses a wire on her wrist to update the squad and it's super obvious of course (laughs) Like, don't talk into your wrist. Yeah. Or at least, like, like she's doing, she's doing, this, at least just, like, rest your fucking wrist on your chin or your cheek and just have a little chat. Like, don't yeah. do that. And also, damn near full volume. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't turn it down much. She's like, they're going in the bathroom. <laughs> the scotch is good. And it's pretty well priced. <laughs> In the bar bathroom, this guy fucking shoves Stabler into the wall. He's wearing all black. He's got slick back hair. His leather jacket's dorky as fuck. And he holds the drugs that Stabler gave to the bartender. And he's like, you trying to sell on my turf, buddy? This dude was also in The Sopranos. Oh, was he? He was. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Was he? (laughs) Yeah, he was. Let me have my thing. No, you can. Oh, can I? You're allowed. Oh, (laughs) Stabler asks him who he is, but dude doesn't give him an answer and instead goes, uh, who are you? Stabler's like, listen, guy, I'm not looking for trouble. The bartender said you were interested. It's NBD. I'm not trying to fuck with you. So this whole scene, Stabes is just taking it from this guy and acting like kind of a pushover amateur on purpose. Right. And so back to who are you? Stabler hands over his fake business card with the name Greg Elliott on it. Mm -hmm. Which I was like, cute. Yeah. The guy asks Stabes where he sells and for how much. Stabler tells him he sells at the building that he works in and he unloads about 300 grams every two weeks. Okay, so 300 grams, just to give a better idea of what that means, it's about 10.5 ounces, like 85 eight balls. There are a thousand grams in a kilo. So he's claiming to this guy that he unloads a kilo in about seven weeks, which is a decent amount of cocaine. Yeah. The guy asks how much Stabler pays the supplier. Stabes goes 90 and the guy says you could do better. In 2000 for a gram of cocaine on the street went for between 122 and 141 dollars so i'm assuming 90 indicates what he's paying wholesale per gram okay mm-hmm. so stabler responds and says my clients like the current product that i'm offering so and the guy's like yeah but my supply is top quality and stabler's like it is and he looks over his glasses Ooh, i might be interested now the guy tells him to meet him that night at the entrance to the ports at 8 p.m and bring 
money. So now we're at the port. Stabler arrives. It's 8 p.m. and sees the guy from the bar with some other dude. Stabler asks who the other guy is, and the dude he doesn't know just grabs him, turns him around, and slams him against a car. Frisks him for half a second and goes, oh yeah, he's good. This guy is terrible at frisking. If this is what his job is, F. If he worked at the airport... If he worked at a concert hall, I would always be able to sneak weed in. Okay. Right. This guy was terrible. Stabler's wearing a suit, a trenchy overcoat, and the guy went pat all boom, of that boom, down. didn't pat pockets. He had multiple pockets. He's got layers upon layers. What were you even feeling for? And we know that Stabes is wearing a fucking pager. You didn't pull up his pager and at least go, oh yeah, it's not a recording device. It's just a pager. He's not a good bouncer. He's bad. Yeah. Dude from the bar asked Stabler if he brought the money. And Stabler's like, It was great because he was like, Wow, wow. Wanna fucking show me the product? Wow. He's like, (laughs) He like freaked out. (laughs) Yeah, like. The guy is going to ask if you brought, I don't know. Stabler was like, okay, I'm playing this a little different now. I liked watching the progression of this character that Stabler was bringing for yeah, us. He was like main character for sure. Mm-hmm. He was doing good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. So little dude's like, all right, check it out. He hands a little bag of cocaine to Stabler and Stabler opens it and pours some in his hand, puts the bag in his teeth and rubs his hands together like he's warming up. I've never seen anyone do that. So it struck me as fucking hilarious. It had throwing spaghetti against the wall to see if it's done energy. Yeah. Dude says he'll do 70, which is way better than the 90 that Greg slash Stabes is currently paying. And Stabler all of a sudden's like, your Coke is better and cheaper than mine. But nah, you're going to have to do better than that. Initially, I forgot that we were cops for a second and was like, dude, that's a great profit margin. I like that deal. What's going on? But then I watched mm-hmm. it again and he had said 70 was the introductory offer and they would renegotiate after that. Yeah. And Stabler's like, I don't like that offer. And mm-hmm. dude's like, why don't you try the product? And Stabler's like, yeah, because they drug test at my job. I don't do the stuff. I just sell it. He's intense. Nice cover as well. So the new guy with no name makes the same offer of 70, but says that he'll agree to make that the permanent price. And Stabler's like, yeah, that's a good deal. And when he goes to exchange the money, they flip him around again against the car. And this time a gun is pulled on him. Cut to a Mm -hmm. shot that shows Benny and Craig and they're in separate cars. They're not far away either. Like... No. Man, I just feel like they would be spotted. Hey, what are those people doing sitting in their cars watching us? <laughs> like That's a thing that like big time drug dealers and gang people and mafia people are looking for. They're looking yeah. for you. Yeah. So they're but and they're talking on radios and, you know, they're watching the whole thing. The music gets all intense again, by the way. It's all like. Boo, 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 boo. It's, oh, yeah. It's good. Well, Staves has got a gun on him at this point. You do the music mm-hmm. and I'll do the thing. Staves has a gun on him at this point. Benny and Craig are watching and they're like, oh my God, what do we do? Craig like, everybody wait. We got to see what happens. <laughs> Craig pulls out his fucking opera binoculars and like, I've got to see how this turns out. <laughs> so Craig like, hold a second. The dude with the gun pulls out a fucking gold shield and starts mm-hmm. to shove Stabler into the back of the car that he was slammed up against. Munch has Stabes' super long binoculars and says, now they've got Stabes' wallet. Shit. I'm like, are they going to ID him or does he have like a Greg Elliott cover wallet? He has to have a fake wallet. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Stabler asks if they're going to read him his rights and the new guy with no name tells Stabler that he has no rights and hops in the backseat of the car with him. And Benson goes, I guess we just found our dirty cop. <laughs> 
So we're still at the ports. Stabler and the two dudes are out of the car and the small dude from the bar sandbag punches Stabler and gets in his face. You think I'm going to do business with some dumbass punk? Cut to Benson in the car with Toots asking him if they're just going to sit there while Stabes gets the crap beat out of him. (laughs) Toots knows this game. Yeah, you're right. Toots knows this game. He says that if they wanted Stabler dead, they'd have killed him already. Mm -hmm. This dirty cop is just flexing. He's like, I'm in charge. The dirty cop starts to like recite these facts he knows about Greg Elliott. Stabler's mm-hmm. undercover character. Four kids, big house, gambling problem. You still got that gambling problem. And I love that he got shitty about it because you're like, that is stuff they made up and you think you're being tough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think you've got him, but he's got you and he knows it. By the way, he's married with four kids. Even undercover, he's a dad. <laughs> yeah. He also runs international shipping stations. This is something that appeals to the operation and the dirty cop tells Greg Stabler, Grabler. <laughs> I didn't even write that. <laughs> and the dirty cop tells Grabler that he's exactly who they're looking for. Of course, Stabler Greg Grabler doesn't w- <laughs> Of course, Greg Stabler Grabler doesn't want to because he's just he just sells the shit. That's it. Right. He he's like, it. I'm not about to start transporting shit and yeah. smuggling shit. That's not my gig. He's like, I don't fucking move it. And dirty cops like, you do now. I have enough evidence to arrest you for an A1 felony. That's life without parole. So now Greg Stabler Grabler has to work with him. He has to. Mm-hmm. Dirty cop tells him that he has until tomorrow Tomorrow to decide gives him a number to call and Sabler's like well who's gonna answer and he's like mm, you just call me Kendall Kendall Jenner <laughs> then Kendall's like oh and by the way turns Stabler around and <laughs> sandbag punches Grabler one more time before the two guys get in the car and unnecessarily peel away in their fucking Oldsmobile <laughs> right and then they throw Stabler's wallet out the window this dude Kendall the dirty cop mm-hmm. had a huge role in the late 80s early 90s sitcom Major Dad as Lieutenant Gene Halawachuk hmm. and you, do you remember Major Dad? kind of I watched the shit out of that sitcom. Oh, I was I also do like really that. young. He's like, I was in the military. I have three daughters. I don't know how to live. Yeah. At the precinct, Craig and Stabler walk in and Munch asks how Stabler is. Benson kind of smiles and she goes, a couple of scratches, but he'll live. And I'm like, that's kind of cold live. Like he just got the mm-hmm. shit beat out of him. Who is she? My grandma, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Donna. All for cry. eye. You're fine. Where's my nerve pills? You're going to get me all worked up now. Am you I going to doing fish fry and Spooner. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Smoking Virginia Slim ultralight 100s in her bathroom and then telling us that she quit years ago <laughs> is Olivia Benson. Munch starts okay. to give the rundown on who may be the dirty cop, Greg Kendall. Why would he give Stabler his real last name? <laughs> I don't know. He's like, and it was weird because he was like, mm-hmm, I don't know. You can just call me I mm, Kendall. It's like out of the blue. It, it sounded like you were trying to make up a name. <laughs> yeah. He's like, sorry, I'm not good. I'm not good off the cuff. Like, I can't. No. I'm, I'm a great, strong arm, dirty cop who does everything under the table, but ask me to lie. Mm-mm. I can't ad lib for shit. Like, no, he, I can't. He, <laughs> like, he could have even looked around and been like, just call me car or something. You know what I mean? Just like, call me arms and arms. <laughs> Arm, Just Armisen. call me Greg Elliott. That's my name. Sorry. Um, <laughs> fine. I can't do it. Just call me Gregory George Kendall. 
the son of (laughs) Jeremy and Claire Kendall, who were divorced in 1974. I don't know. Call me George Brick. George Brickman. (laughs) Yeah. Pierre Waterman. Fish cop water show. Fish police. Call me cocaine drugson. (laughs) Cocaine drugson. So Greg Kendall has been on the job for a long time and has a ton of commendations and awards. Benson suspects that he saw how much money was in the drug game and wanted Mm. in on the action after so many years of seeing how much money was involved. And then Toots is like, man, if I had gone that route, I'd be fucking rich by now. Yeah, because I saw lots of drug stuff. Narcotics. (laughs) (laughs) Looking around. Right, you guys? (laughs) Benson says that Kendall matches the description Laura Pfeiffer gave them of the cop that showed up up at her house looking for the formula. Craigan mm-hmm. wants to know if he had ever been at the Fivers before, but he hadn't, which means that Derek was the one who had delivered cocaine to the bar. Mm. And Staves goes, okay, so what about Kendall's butt boy? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, excuse uh. me? So the little guy with the stupid leather jacket and the slicked hair, his name is Frank Barry, which sounds like a made up name now that we've given a lot of made up names. Also, they fucking say he's 30. And I was like, bullshit. (laughs) That dude is not a day under 47. Like, my God, he's not 30 years old. Frank had been in and out of prison for drug charges, but could never be charged with intent to sell. So everybody starts to speculate at the scale of what's going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Toos is like, guys, I know something. So the way that they presented things to Staves, they had given him a 24-hour deadline. That tells him that their operation but is... But boy, ho- Barry. <laughs> Do the but, boy, Barry. But boy, Barry. They're Broncos suspecting that like, like Kendall and his butt boy, Barry, are probably only soldiers. And that they're hard up for product. Yeah. So Craigan goes, okay, Staves, next time you meet up with Kendall, it needs to be someplace public. Oh, this is good. This This is the best. Is good. So Staler decides the next place they're going to meet is at a restaurant. Cut to the restaurant. Kendall walks in and over to Stabler, who's back to being Grabler because he's in his Mm -hmm. little glasses and business stuff. And and business stuff. Stabler reminds Kendall about their earlier conversation at the ports regarding the money. And Kendall says there isn't anything to talk about since since now he's blackmailing Greg Stabler Grabler and keeping him out of jail. And Stabler's like, huh, well, what's keeping me from reporting you? And Kendall's like, <laughs> I'm a hero cop. And who do you think they're going to believe? So then Stabler starts to lay down the hammer a little bit and show uh-huh. him that he ain't no slouch. He ain't no fucking push up his glasses at the bar. I don't know what I'm talking about. Two bit cocaine dealer. And he's like, bitch, you look desperate. Go ahead and lock me up. You fucking need me, dude. And Kendall's like, well, what do you want then? Stabes goes a third of the profits after Kendall tells him why he's so hard up for his help. Stabler says he doesn't do business with liars or screw-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to get names and shit. Yeah. So Kendall's like, oh my God, fine. I'll talk to my people. Because he realizes that Greg Stabler Grabler is bigger than what he initially thought. He's mm-hmm. getting himself tied up with somebody he doesn't want to fuck with. Mm-hmm. Not even knowing that Stabes is a fucking cop. I'm just like, I'm fully invested in the fact that Greg Elliott, father of four, husband and stockbroker guy is just like really in the drug game right now. Mm-hmm. So Kendall's like, okay, I'll talk to my people. 
I'll see what we can do. I'll talk to my people. I'll go talk to my manager. And Stabler kind of just laughs in his face and is like, really? You don't seem that high up then if you can't make decisions on your own. He's fully doing air quotes. You want to go talk to your people? I guess I can wait while you go talk to your people. So Stabler basically just like spanked him at this table, gets up and starts fucking putting cash on the table and goes, try the veal. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Some big boy energy right there. Damn. He knocked over a water glass with his fucking juicy butt. (laughs) (laughs) In the precinct, Sailor's on the phone and tells the person on the other line he'll call him back with details. Cabot and Cragen are in the room with him. I think they're in Cragen's office. Yeah, and we can see that the phone is bugged. There's like a little thing Mm -hmm. stuck to the higher up part of the phone. Cabot asks what they, a.k.a. Kendall's people, want him to do. So here's the plan. Stabler is supposed to bring in 10 boxes of terracotta tiles made of cocaine base from Mexico, four kilos per box, each worth 80K. His cover story is that he's retiling his kitchen. Cragen wants Stabler to say he can't go to Mexico with short notice, so someone else has to go do the pickup in Mexico City. Right. He's saying that it's too suspicious if he just hops and goes, which is true. He's a father of four. Yeah. The drop off is going to have to be at Greg Elliott's pretend address mm-hmm. and then Kendall will pick them up. So to get this all done, the squad will need to work with the DEA to get them a cover house and handle the pickup in Mexico City mm-hmm. Even though there's a chance that Kendall could also be working with a DEA officer. That's dirty. Yeah. They're not going to be able to get a fucking large drug pickup from Mexico unless the DEA does it. Toots is like, I'm busy yeah. this weekend, you guys. And so he can't. Yeah. I want to know whose house this is, by the way. I'm like, how do they figure that, do that stuff? Oh, my God. It's the house from To Catch a Predator. Right. Chris Hansen comes out and he's like, have a seat. And they're like, what? We're delivering tiles. So we're at Stabler's fake house. Stabler is outside in some fucking jumpsuit thing. Which oh, I my love. God. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted it so bad. Stabler made an entire backstory for Greg Elliott. In his off hours, he wears a cute matching tracksuit. It was mm-hmm. adorable and also really lines up with my Sopranos conspiracy theory. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Yeah. This is the fake house, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's receiving the tile delivery. The delivery dude is Toots. He opens a box and Kendall walks over. They check the tiles and Kendall's like, this is the biggest amount we've ever brought in at once. Kendall hands over a black duffel bag that is supposed to have 267000 in it. He's like, you want to count it? And Steve's like, I don't know. Do I need to? Wink. <laughs> He's like, Haha, we're friends. Yeah. Now, I don't understand why they fucking did any of this. Okay. I don't know why Benson had to come outside. I don't know why fucking Toots had to bring the truck back. Like, they just, everything they did after this just spooked the guy. Yeah. Okay. Benson comes out of the house pretending to be Dana, not Donna, Greg's wife, asking about the tiles. It is funny because she has, I didn't even think of like this being unnecessary, but she's got her own little two-piece on, little lady tracksuit thing that she's got zipped up. She's like, honey, are the tiles here? (laughs) And Kendall acts a little weird. Stabler's like, oh, you know what? They aren't the right tiles, so my friend here is going to take them back. Yeah, and then Dana Benson is like, bloop, 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 down the stairs. She's like, baby, you've got to get in the shower. We have to be to Vanessa and Glenn's in less than two hours. And it's like, what is this story? I know. Who are Vanessa and Glenn? What are they doing? What are they going to go? Are they friends? Have they been friends for a long time? Are they swingers? Oh, my was God. It, I mean, did they? was this like a last-minute ad-lib situation? Because they were like, we're stuck in traffic. We can't get over there to fucking arrest them. So stall, stall. Right. You don't know that. They're probably like, oh, my God, we never get to do this. Can we? Yeah. All of a sudden, the white delivery van that dropped off the tiles shows back up and Kendall's like what the fuck what's he doing back here and the music gets all 
swelly again. Stabler's like, oh, you know what? I must have not signed something. Don't worry. I'll fucking handle it. It's fine. Kendall looks super scared and begins to run away and pulls out a gun as a black car pulls up. Stabler pulls out his gun, runs after Kendall behind the house, catches up to him, gets him to stop. And Stabler's like, fucking drop your gun, drop your gun, drop your gun. Kendall refuses, turns around and fucking slowly raises his gun up at Stabler. Two shots are heard. Stabler shoots Kendall, killing him. The team shows up and Stabler asks them to call an ambulance. They all gather around Kendall and check his pulse. Kragen walks up to Stabler, who is totally in shock. Mm-hmm. He's like trying to figure out why Kendall, she's like, why did he turn around? Why did he make oh, me do that? Why, yeah. What? What's going like? Blah, blah, blah. His eyes are super watery. And then Kragen's like, yo, yo, like Kendall didn't have the guts to do it himself. Like saying it was suicide mm-hmm. by cop. Yeah. And then Kragen's just kind of like, oh shit, Stabler's really like cracking up here, you know? Yeah. Obviously, because it's hard. He tells Stabler, you know, I need your gun. And then Stabler's like, I, I know the drill. I know the drill. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was intense. It was, actually. it was really good. Cause Stabler wasn't even saying, why did he make me do that? He was talking to Kendall. And he's like, yeah, he's why like, why did you, why'd you make yeah. me do that? Why'd you, blah, blah, he's like blah. And it was, mumbling yeah. it too. He was like, he did. Just, it was a very good moment of acting just like total shock yeah <laughs> who the fuck am i well it's surprising when they act good <laughs> you know <laughs> you're like oh wow that was good noticeably perfect i was mm-hmm. yeah he made me lean in in an interrogation room stabler is being questioned by tucker from iab about the timeline of events that led to kendall being shot stabler speaking into a microphone we're sure this is being recorded tucker asks stabler if he wants his union rep there but stabler says he has nothing to hide so they can keep going with the questioning which which is like you should always have your union rep there just have them yeah. this is that fucking trope of why get a lawyer if you didn't do anything wrong and it's like because they're professionals yeah. that understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. This is where we find out that Stabler fired his weapon twice, but Kendall did not fire his at all. I thought Kendall shot and missed and Stabler mm. shot him back. That's what I thought. Mm. But um, no. Tucker puts Stabler on a, quote, modified assignment during the rest of the investigation, which is just a fancy term for desk duty. Mm-hmm. So he has to stay in the office, which is going to be hard for him. Right. Yeah. He likes to be out in the field or at home yeah. with Kath and the kids. <laughs> yeah. So in the precinct, Stabler and Benny are doing a stompy walk and talk. Stabler's like, that bastard made me shoot him and I'm the one under investigation. And Benny goes, I don't know, Betty, maybe take some vacation days or... He's like, no, I'm here to figure this shit out. Stabler stomps over to Craig and Toots. Toots lets Stabler know that dandruff was found at Derek Pfeiffer's murder scene and it matched Kendall's Mm. DNA. And I felt like that was kind of a read. Yeah. He's like, this flaky motherfucker left dandruff all over this crime scene. So now they're bouncing around ideas as far as who's at the top of this whole drug operation, why Derek was murdered, etc. Munch jumps in and says that he found out through customs that Laura had traveled to Mexico separately from Derek. Five trips in three weeks and she had the baby with her every time. So maybe she'll be able to fill in some blanks for them. So then they're like, oh my God, dude. So now they're starting to put some pieces together. New information. New shit has come to light, dude. Since she was traveling with a baby, customs wouldn't have cared if she had extra formula. And Benson also points out that she refused protection when they offered it to her. Laura may be the mule that they're actually looking for. Did Derek arrange his trips to Mexico or was it fucking Laura? Benson says that they should go ask Keith Gerard, Derek's boss. Mm -hmm. So Craig and Benson head out, leaving Stabler just fucking itching to get out there, but Mm -hmm. stuck at his desk. Um, 
Benson Cragen and Keith Gerard are doing a walk and talk through the office. Gerard says, I hate this name. Jer Jer says, no, okay. Jer Jer. <laughs> Gerard says Derek's billionaire client was afraid to fly, so Derek had to go to him in Mexico all the time. Benson questions, oh, I want to be a billionaire that's afraid to fly. Why am I only just one of those things? It's stupid. <laughs> Benson questions Gerard's motive of sending Derek, considering he almost lost his job. Gerard's just kind of like, dude, he had it hard, and I just was throwing him a bone. What does he have to do with anything, by the way? Cragen lets Gerard know that Derek was using company time to smuggle drugs. Oh, yeah, when they would take the baby and da-da-da and the baby formula. Mm -hmm. Gerard doesn't believe him. And he's like, I know this isn't true, because Derek and Laura don't have kids. And then I'm like... What the fuck? And I was like, that was a twist I didn't see coming, even though I knew the premise of the episode. (laughs) Craig and Benson are doing walk and talk and trying to figure out who the fuck fucking Tommy is. The baby. Who is this baby? Who is this 40-year-old man that Laura is breastfeeding in their (laughs) living room? (laughs) He's housed a calzone and he's still hungry. And they somehow get to this idea that maybe there's a ring of people who rent their kids out for money, which, which I've is never a even really, heard of. It's a big yeah. jump. That is a cavernous yeah. fucking bridge to cross, you know? Yeah. But how could only a few cans at a time be like profitable or worth it? Right. They decide yeah. to go to Laura and question her at her sister Denise's house. Denise Draper. I know. That's a good name. She's a secretary. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Benson and Craigan goes to Laura's sister's house and ring the doorbell. A baby is fucking screaming its head off. And Craigan's like, I can't believe someone would let a baby cry like that. Which immediately, I'm like, they're dead. Benson and Stabler go around the back of the house, but stop on the side when they see that the window is broken out and the glass isn't cleaned. They go back around to the front and bust the door and the music's getting all nuts again. Oh my God, it is funky town. <laughs> it is. Benson tends to the crying baby, of course, because she's a woman, mm-hmm. while Craigan looks around for Denise and Laura, but they're fucking dead in the kitchen. Oh. Now it's nighttime. We're still at the Draper residence. Crime, crime scene, scene time. Yep. Mm-hmm. A ton of officers in CSU hustle around while Craig and Munch and Toots are in the front yard just hanging out. They're not. They're copping. They're like, should we have a fire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> told you to bring marshmallows i like it with peanut butter so they had asked around neighbors didn't hear anything but there was a pillow that was found that appears to have been used to muffle gunshots mm-hmm. the time of death is about four to eight hours ago so kendall couldn't have done it unless it was his ghost this is just a <laughs> reminder for everyone to send ghost stories to svupod at gmail.com oh my god <laughs> Craigan thinks that someone's cleaning up loose ends Mm-hmm. I'm so into this right now. You are. But Toots points out that it may not have been the cartel because they would have killed the baby as well. Jesus fuck. Yeah. Benson comes out of the house with records, Tommy's birth certificate, and a one-way plane ticket to Rio. It was on a string hanging in a doorway. <laughs> there was a um, note that said, for Benson. <laughs> Tommy was Laura's nephew. The ticket to Rio was probably Laura's getaway because she can't be extradited from there, which is really... I didn't know that. Craig goes, this guy's one cold-blooded customer. And I was like, oh, you are such a TV cop, dude. I know. Craigan thinks that there is a possibility more murders will follow and asks Benson to have Stabler check all murders in the tri-state area since Kendall was killed, any victims with an infant. At the precinct, okay, I love how this scene starts with Stabler 
popping a pin into their corkboard map on the phone saying, yeah, got it. <laughs> because he po- I took a video because it was so cute. And the pin, like somebody was doing the sound in the background, you know, where they like, yeah, they do the click clacks and whatever. And they did the on the fucking here. I'm sending it to you. Oh, my God. So the camera's panning around to everybody at their individual desks, and they're all on phone calls like, oh, we got to find this out, blah, 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 with all these other jurisdictions asking about recent murders. They're, like, having a really hard time explaining it. Like, I hear Benson say, whacking infants. No, I'm not kidding. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. they're having a hard time trying to explain it, I guess. Munch runs up with his own little pin, and he's like, I got another murder to add to our little pin map. But no confirmed details on if children were involved. Then it's just a murder. <laughs> then it's just yeah. a murder. He's like, I got a murder. Like, they're like, great. This is New York. <laughs> this is fucking New York we City. We specifically said babies involved. Like, okay. He's like, but this one is a murder. I'll do this with a different color pin. <laughs> and so it was like, quit it with the pins, Munch. And Munch is like, dude, take a fucking break. Right. We see Kathy in the background. And Stabler, I mean, Stabler's at a fucking 10. Stabler, his looks are at a yeah. 10. His energy's at a 150. Yeah. He's just stuck in the office, like, throwing a fucking tantrum. Kathy's at the precinct, and she tells him that she's there to bring him dinner. But she's like, why don't yeah. you come home? And he's like, no, I can't. <laughs> Cry up. I can't. She's like, you have to eat something, dude. He's like, bitch, I don't. Just kidding. I love you so much. I love you and the kids. I love fake you and fake kids that belong to Greg Elliott. So Staler's over here talking to Kathy, right? Munch gets off the phone again and says, Frank Barry, the bad guy sidekick, was found by state police. His body washed up on Jones Beach. He was shot in the head. Craigan then comes out and lets Benny know that they have another one in Queens. Mm. And the whole time, Stabler's just like, get the fuck out of here, Kathy. He will not fucking relax. No. God. Stabler seriously, like, grabs Kathy's head. (laughs) He's He's like, I love you. Hug the kids. Thanks for the food. And like then pretty much pie faces her to the floor to like, yes, what's going on. It was 1230 at night, dude. She left the four kids at home. They were all asleep. And also well, they they're all asleep. Plus there's daughter. teenagers. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying like it's 1230. She needs to sleep, too. And she's here to take care of you. You need to mm-hmm. fucking just not. You know what I would need, though? So this is me and my love language, right? For you to just go. Thanks for the food. Love you. I mean, I guess I would be understanding. But I would also like really appreciate just a moment of eye contact from you. That would do a lot mm-hmm. for me. But anyway, um, people are being murdered and washing up on the shore. So I guess you have other stuff to take care of. Yeah. But he's like, I got to put my coat on and looks at Stabler. And Stabler's like, "Uh, goodbye, my love. And fucking Benny leaves with Cragen. (laughs) At the Flores residence, Benson and Cragen walk into the house. They're putting gloves on and they're greeted by a Queens homicide detective, Philly Panzaretti. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Philly Panzaretti. Billy Panzaretti. He calls Craig and Donnie, so they're well acquainted. He was also mm-hmm. in The Sopranos. Panzaretti mm-hmm. walks Benson and Craig into the living room. Two people were shot in the head, and a pillow mm-hmm. was used to muffle those shots. So the only difference is, is that there was no sign of forced entry like there was at Laura's sister's house. So, Otherwise, the MO is the same. Yeah, it's like. Correct. So they may have let the perp in. They had a baby, but this baby was also physically unharmed and had been taken to the hospital to get checked out. Benson goes over to the home office area where the couple did the paperwork and stuff for this gardening business they had and finds an invoice made out to Keith Gerard. What? Craigan decides that Gerard is running the operation from the brokerage office and he's Damn. the top dog. Woof, woof. Benson thinks he rents the babies uh-uh. from people that work for him. What? 
don't you fucking <laughs> woof woof how can kill you <laughs> oh my god i love you so much i want to murder you so uh, bad uh, i will slit your throat woof uh, woof <laughs> I, woof, woof. stop ben, woof. Ben's <laughs> don't do it benson's like dudes he rents the babies from people that work for him because they need money. Cragen thinks Gerard's going back and killing the families that he rents these babies from so he won't get snitched on because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Cragen and Benny take off and go to Gerard's office, but his assistant says he isn't there. Dude, swear to God, she was in The Sopranos. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh my God. She said that he's downstairs at the corporate daycare center. I audibly gasped. And Cragen goes, if he calls up here or you see him, do not tell him that we're here. She's yeah. like, okay. In the corporate daycare center, Cragen and Benson see Gerard with a woman and her baby. And they assume that she's about to be the next victim. When Gerard sees the detectives, he pulls out a gun, grabs the woman that he was talking to, and mm -hmm. starts like threatening to kill her. And the detectives are like, whoa, 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 buddy. Toots is don't be suspiciousing around the corner, sneaking up behind <laughs> Gerard. <laughs> There's this standoff, but he's not aware that Toots is behind the corner. Cragen lowers his gun and makes Benson lower her gun. And he's trying to talk to Gerard, get him to release the hostages. I mean, this woman's holding the fucking baby. Yeah. He's telling him, we'll let you walk out alone if you let this woman and her baby go. And he's like, I don't know how anybody falls for that shit, but okay. I know. Yeah. He's like, you will? That's crazy, but all right. And he tosses the woman at Cragen and tries to run away. But then, boop. Toots is there, remember? Fucking Toots tosses this dude down the stairs. Boop, 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 boop. Comes on down, puts Gerard in cuffs, and Gerard's like freaking out to Toots and Benny, and he's like, I can make you both rich. And Benny's like, yeah, save it for the fancy lawyer. You're gonna need to appeal the death penalty. And I'm like, mm -hmm. also, how would you expect that to, like, that's a, I know that he's in a desperate position, but. Mm -hmm. I know. I can make you both rich. I'm gonna yell this in front of your captain and multiple <laughs> witnesses. Right. Do you guys want to be dirty cops? <laughs> In the precinct, Cragen gives Stabler back his badge and gun while telling him that he doesn't have to appear before the grand jury and IAB. He's been cleared. He, Stabler's like, two days? What? That was quick. What the fuck? Cragen said that it was to spare IAB from the embarrassment with the press. But Stabler doesn't look happy and asks what it cost Cragen. And Cragen's answer is, not nearly what it was worth. Mm. The two shake hands, but I wish they would have hugged. And given each other a little, like, pretzel pretzel kisses mm. Benson comes oh you've got a little bit of salt on your lip mm, i'll get it mm. <laughs> i'll get it i got it <laughs> benson comes in the office and updates stabler 10 other mothers were found gerard had mm. paid them all 20k to rent their kids for smuggling i would have done it i would have oh done god. it god gabe stabler what nothing stabler is getting it's not gonna do anything it's just gonna hang out dude stabler is mm. Okay. Okay. I probably wouldn't have done it. Okay. Okay. Stabler's. Thanks for talking me through that. I'm here to advocate for your never to exist child. <laughs> thanks for talking me through that. Yeah. Stabler, you didn't even say anything. You were like, Gabe. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Stabler was getting ready to go home, and Benson asked if they're making him see the shrink. Stabler says yes, but he hasn't been yet. Benson says she thought she was okay after she shot that guy. I don't, I kind of don't remember. Was it the one where they were in the um, laundry room? I don't know. I think so. 
she tells Stabler that that shit will stay with him. He's dismissive and he says he needs to go home. She she asks how long his sandwich was on his desk and he tells her that he got busy and she can have it. As Stabler walks away, Benson asks if he's been sleeping and he says yes, but then he stops and he asks if seeing the shrink helped her and then she says, mm, not much. And that's the end. Yeah, and then the camera just pans in on Stabler gently nodding like, yeah. It's the job. Toyota. Good episode. Here we go. In one of the poorest areas of Chicago, 1999, U.S. Customs agent Pete Darling was following up on an arrest made at the Heathrow Airport in London. Even the chaser names don't sound real. (laughs) Jesus. Pete Darling? Yeah. Pete Darling. Yeah. He went to the apartment of a young couple, Keith Moore and Marissa Hardy, to ask about their eight-month-old daughter who had already been flown to Panama and London five times. The baby was traveling with a woman who had been caught with drugs. So this woman, right? Mm -hmm. So this woman is picked up at the Heathrow Airport with this baby. They're like, oh my God, this baby belongs to these people. So this detective goes to those people's door. Okay? Right. Yeah. And he's like, I got to let these people what's going on. I got to figure out what's up here. In his report, he said that the parents looked sickly and their basement apartment was filthy. He would also come to find out that they were addicts and very sick. Mm -hmm. So they told him that the baby had been kidnapped from the babysitter's house, but they were super calm about it. And he was like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. And it made him realize something really big was unraveling. Just a few days later, in another part of the country, customs inspector Mike McDaniel at Atlanta's Hartsfield International Airport was watching for luggage tagged for Chicago because of this situation, right? He had been suspicious because for weeks he'd had women coming through, some with babies, all headed for Chicago. Going through customs, they would tell him that they had been visiting significant others in the military, which raised a little flag for him. He had been in the army, so he knew that the hotels that they were reporting they had stayed at weren't near any military bases. Mm -hmm. And he was also from the Chicago area, so he knew that all of these women were from the same Englewood neighborhood. Okay? Hmm. Finally, he stopped a woman named Donna Washington who said she was bringing her baby grandson back from visiting his dad in the military. He decided to test the seven cans of formula that he found in her bag. Six were positive for cocaine and one for heroin. God, they even used the name Donna. That's what yeah. That's what her name was. That's <laughs> funny. So the Heathrow situation and the Atlanta situation had a million parallels. So they're like, okay, both of these cases had the same MO, one in Atlanta, one in London, both from the south side of Chicago. Darling had to press this couple again, and they came clean about a woman in the neighborhood. Her name was Selena Johnson. She was a pretty big presence as a drug dealer in the area and usually would pay the couple two to $400 or some weed to take the baby to use as a decoy to smuggle drugs. They couldn't tell Darling who the women were that their daughter went on these trips with, which told him that this was more than some two-bit little south side hustle. He's like, oh yeah, who were these mules? And he's like, I don't know, Sarah, Jamie, Jenny, like all these different women. Yeah. Later, it would be learned that on the baby's first smuggling trip to Panama at three fucking weeks old, the courier (gasps) Katrina Martin had put the baby in an empty bathtub and shut the door because she wouldn't stop crying. On another trip with a different mule, Shanae Reed, the same baby was crying so much that Shanae left her alone in the hotel room to go grab a beer. I mean, so like when you were like, oh, I would do it. I'd give it. Yeah. These babies are neglected props. Ugh. 
It was very That's sad. really sad. Yeah. Eventually, this baby, who authorities called Baby 8, had their parental rights terminated for abuse and neglect, you know, because yeah. they had knowingly put her in the care of drug smugglers. So Mom Marissa's great aunt ended up adopting her. So they probably still mm. had a relationship and whatever else. But, you know, I'm making up a story so this baby can have like a decent life. Two other young mothers in the area, 21-year-old Tasha Dorsey and 23-year-old Diana Gresham, were found to have rented their babies to the smugglers as well. Darling then teamed up with federal prosecutor Steve Levine to track the paper trail because he knew there was more. They went over tons of customs records and airline tickets for months piecing things together. Smugglers were flying from Panama City and big cities in Jamaica to Chicago, New York, and England. Let's talk money. Smugglers were being paid an average of $4,000 per trip. A kilo of cocaine ran about $5,000 in Panama and was going for a little over twenty grand at the time in the U.S., Forty grand in England. These are wholesale prices. So by the time it was cut, cooked, and broken down for street market, it's worth skyrockets. Okay. Okay. P.S. They were they were making this into crack. So they were okay. taking getting this coke home and they were making it into crack. Which, I thought they were like two separate things. I don't know. Cocaine and crack. Yeah. No. So crack is cocaine that is cooked down. Uh, it's at like what gets uh, uh, like ammonia or baking soda gets added to it and then they cook it down and it becomes like a solid. So you separate the solid from the liquid and then dry it and then you break it up into rocks. Okay, I don't know. But anyway, so in total, they found that they were able to transport over 100 kilos of cocaine and six kilos of heroin. Just like in the episode, they were transporting liquid cocaine, but not with labs on either side of the border like Toots was talking about. It's much more basic than that. The suppliers would liquefy the cocaine in a blender with hot water. Then they would ding holes in the can with a hammer and nail, fill the cans with a syringe, and then solder the hole before putting the labels back on. The cocaine would make its way to its destination and then be cooked into crack to be distributed. After a ton of work and interviews and hunting down leads, the team were able to work their way up the pyramid to the top. Eventually, they found that two Jamaican dudes, Troy Henry and Orville Wilson, were some pretty high ups in this operation and got them to cooperate. They gave up who they said was the top dog and creator of the scheme, Colombian supplier Clacy Watson Herrera. It took two and a half years for them to make mm. all of their arrests. Selena Johnson, who had been recruiting mothers experiencing poverty in Chicago to rent their babies, was arrested. Then over the next two years, 48 defendants pled guilty on an array of charges. Orville Wilson and Selena Johnson were both sentenced to 10 years. Mules were given sentences of five to 10 years. Pete Darling did testify on the behalf of a few of these couriers. He, like, through working this case, he discovered so many of these women were in immense poverty. So did things out of desperation to take care yeah. of themselves and their kids. Okay, so he spoke on their behalf at a few of their sentencing hearings. Parents who rented out their babies were given anywhere from eight months to 10 years. Herrera was extradited from Panama to the U.S. and charged with eight of the 14 counts against him, one for count of conspiracy and seven counts of importing or attempting to import cocaine and heroin. He mm -hmm. received a sentence of 340 months, which is how old... <laughs> That baby was. Old no. Tommy is. <laughs> no, 340 months is uh, a little over 28 years. It was, I mean, this was like a huge fucking scam and super fucked up too. Like how low, yeah. I mean, reading interviews with this detective, Pete Darling, he was just like stabler angry 
about what people will do to get drugs into the country. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need to legalize everything, in my opinion. Yeah. Because yeah, they're duh. they're fucking taking babies across the board and people are desperate. It's like, mind your fucking business if somebody <laughs> would rather have a beer or a fucking toot. You know what I mean? Right. Mind your fucking right. business. Mm-hmm. Why does the government get to tell you what? T- it's fucking weird. Fucking Paula Abdul, dude. Control. <laughs> is that Paula Abdul or is it Janet Jackson? I don't remember. I don't know. A beer or a toot. You know? <laughs> a beer or a toot. Who cares if they want a beer or a toot? Cocaine. I think I want to try that shit. Next week, we got season four, episode 13, Rotten. An inmate who was raped is found dead. And since he was in custody, the gang thinks maybe a cop did it. <sighs> Follow us on all social media at SVU pod, please rate and review us on anywhere you, anywhere you hear us that you can rate and review us fucking jump on Reddit and say something. I don't know. We're trying to like sprout our wings. Like all the birds that I get distracted to are hanging out on the satellite. Yeah. Just like be the wind beneath them. We love you. Barbara Streisand. I really do love Barbara Streisand. Oh my God. Who doesn't join our Facebook group. It's so fun. I love it. SVU Pod Elite Squad. Mm-hmm. Join our Patreon, become a patron, get all the bonuses and perks. We also have merch at svupod.com. So check that out if yeah. you want some fun SVU slash SVU Pod related swag. Yeah, I've been fiddling around with some new designs. So. Oh my God. Yeah. I want to do like the, all those Stabes ones that you're working on. I want to do a mm-hmm. sticker, a new sticker pack, like a Stabler exclusive sticker pack. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Send us your ghost stories. Shut or whatever. Or Wait, whatever. What's what? our P.O. box? We should start saying that just in case. Okay. If you have anything safe and kind to send us, send it to svupod, P.O. box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin. 53532. Cool. Love, Love you. Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> and God, we're learning him. He does not appear before the guy in jury. You know what? You know who I sound like? It's fucking Bjork. The IAB yeah. octopus and sunshine cleared it from drug doing. Do you want me to try it? No. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is this your is, mountain. This Everest. is my mountain. <laughs> this is my mountain. At my birthday party, I burped. He quickly tried to grab it and throw it <laughs> in Tasha's face like it was going to bother her. Instead, she goes. <laughs> I leaned into it, it all and happened. sucked it out. <laughs> it all it was like we had like... practiced it and we <laughs> yes. had the perfect opportunity to do it. But it, no, I like I can't even think. I can't if that <laughs> memory pops in my head while I'm about to sleep. I can't. Like I'm laughing too hard. Like it was so perfect and it happened in less than a second. I just found out about this thing. That you can make lion roar noises with a tube, a paper towel tube, and I've been doing it and having people at the shop do it. <laughs> okay. You want me to do it? No. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. Do you want to do it? Kind of. This has very mom, makes- look what I can do energy. Okay. It also it also makes me want to barf a little bit. I don't know why. Oh, thank God. Huh? Nothing. Go ahead. <sighs> <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> I don't care. I mean, also, like, everybody has ADD now. Yeah. Are you going to take Thanks anything for minimizing for it? Gonna... it? What? What'd you say? Nothing. Minimizing it? I was normalizing mm-hmm. it, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Marissa Elm, Elki H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Benita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Kate H, Uyana, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire, Kayla, Allison B, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Laura D, Laura I, and Sarah. We love you and appreciate you. We love and appreciate you. I changed Sarah G's name to Bear because she had sent us a message back after getting her welcome video and signed off as Bear and then was like, oh my God, sorry. That's what people call me. I didn't mean to sign off like that. That's just like how I sign off because that's what people always call me. And I'm like, well, too late. We're changing your name to Bear. <laughs> that's right. Thank you.